Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I am John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. John, what's on the docket today? Man, today we're going to talk about church security. But before we do, I have something to tell you. Okay. <laughs> Not really, I don't. But I do have a, a disclaimer. How about okay. that? Disclaimers we, are good. Disclaimers are good. You and I are, uh, we're experts in very few things. That's true. Uh, we are not experts in church security. That's right. I mean, we have ideas. Right. Right. We have, uh, some policies and stuff we're going to talk about. But really, this is one of those topics that needs to be thought through diligently. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's dealing with kids and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and vulnerable adults, maybe. And so, Something that's very serious, but it needs to be, and so it needs to be dealt with that way. Yeah, and as we think about church security, uh, as a pastor, we we wear many different hats, um, but God has delegated civil authority to take care of serious issues. And so for us, though church discipline may be something that we need to go through with Mm -hmm. particular members, uh, our first our first reaction to these uh, needs to be understanding that we are not um, lawyers. We're not judges. Right. We're not law enforcement and we need them because God has uniquely gifted them to take care of these things for us. Yeah. And I would say, man, we don't have to look real far in the Southern Baptist convention to mm-hmm. see where there have been missteps in this yeah. area to say, pastor, you you need to be sure that you handle this thing correct as far as the civil responsibility right. is. And so I know this is, I kind of feel like we're starting heavy. Starting heavy, but but I mean, but you know, it's pretty important. And it so is, we, and it needs to be talked about. Uh, and so when we talk about church security, um, you know, this is a topic that's been on everybody's mind, especially uh, recently when uh, unfortunate the unfortunate tragedy of Sutherland Springs shooting. Right. Um, and, and I know for your church and for my church, there were several people that their first reaction was, "We need to make sure this doesn't happen to us." Right. Specifically, active shooter. Right, um, and and though that is a concern, and we don't, it is, and don't I need to, and I know. think a lot of us have plans. Right, I mean, we have active shooter plans, right. and I, that's good. But but and, go and ahead, yeah, we don't need to stick our heads in the ground and pretend that this will never happen to us. Uh, we we do need to be wise, but we also need to understand that for our churches, especially our small country churches, there are other greater pressing matters that we need to understand and think through before they happen. Yeah, no doubt. And and there are things that happen inside the church that uh that are greatly offensive to people mm-hmm. that do not make CNN. Right. And and so I think we need to be careful that we don't uh, just take this one 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. and and let that be our only Right. Understanding of what church security looks like. Mm-hmm. It includes that. Right. But that's not the only thing we need to look at. So before we jump into security, let's talk about just broadly, what is our theology of security? What is what does that even mean, understanding church security? Yeah, I think you begin with this idea that you and I, as um, as pastors of congregations, that we are we are shepherds of that congregation. I know we talk about this a lot theologically, like you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that the the wolves don't come in and and take the sheep, right? right. I mean, that's a a very spiritual application mm-hmm. of what it means to be a shepherd over a flock. But uh, no doubt, I think that shepherd role also plays plays a part in what we're talking about today, making sure that our 
church is being uh, careful mm-hmm. and that the people in there are being tended to appropriately. Right. You know, Jesus says in, in, in John 10, he's the good shepherd. He's right. not a hired hand. He lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't yeah. run when the wolves come. Uh, so for us, there's there's an idea of in our shepherding um, theology of we're not hired hands. Right. We are called to shepherd and protect the vulnerable, especially those in our churches. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I, and I just think that's something that, uh, you know, probably we haven't talked a lot about before, mm-hmm. you know, as that role of shepherd. I, I don't remember, and maybe I did. I took risk management in seminary, mm-hmm. but... Uh, risk management in seminary for me was like, you know, not playing chubby bunny. Right. Yeah. Cause people <laughs> it, would choke. That's right. People would choke. It was, uh, you know, not letting your kids drive the 15 passenger van. What? You know, it was things like that. It, it was things that in student ministry that you shouldn't do, you know, parachuting, not an approved activity for Man, youth. That camp. sounds like a really fun class. <laughs> but now that's all changed right. so much. I yeah. mean, now. We're having to talk about things that I didn't talk about in seminary. Right. I mean, you tell me. Are, are you no, talking about um, these kind of things now probably more so than I did? And we are, and, and here's the thing. I think the church at large is talking about them. For the longest time, we thought um, sexual assault and several of the, uh, these other uh, concerns were a Catholic problem. Mm, and yeah. what we're finding out is that uh, they aren't just a Catholic problem. Right. They are little c Catholic. They are right. universal problems in our churches and they were happening back then, yeah. and we weren't handling them well back then. And we know they were happening then because of the news that we see now. Right. We, we see things coming that happened years ago. Southeastern has mm-hmm. experienced right. this. And, you know, th- again, through our—we don't want to get into all that, but through our convention, we see there were things that were not handled appropriately then, right. which are tragic. Tragic. And they also teach us, warn us right. that we do it appropriately today. So, and ultimately, we were talking about this because, in a sense, we are being reactive. We're having right. to react to some of these things, but we understand that the best policy is proactive. Sure. So before this happens at your church, sure, we have a shepherding responsibility to understand uh, security. And yeah. I'll say one more thing about our theology of security. We read the scriptures, and, and we— The scriptures are very clear. We are not guaranteed security in this Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus stated to his disciples, the world hated me. They're going to hate you. In this world, you will have tribulation. Uh, We we read an entire book of the Bible. Revelation is dedicated to seven churches that are going through fiery tribulation. And John's message to them is you overcome like the lamb overcome by laying down your life. So we understand that. And we must not think that we're going to live in some utopian church society. Yeah, um, and, and I think I think because of again a fallacy, we think we've always lived there. Right, right. And it's not it's not biblically correct, and uh, and it hasn't been correct mm-hmm. in our history. So be concerned about the man who walks in with the pistol. Yeah, and be concerned about the man who has the potential to abuse uh, ad- adults that are vulnerable, students or children right. as well. So, that's good. so as we talk about the pastor's responsibility, that leads right into our segment, uh, Dead Man Talking, and today's Dead Man Talking comes to uh, the father of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther talking about a pastor's responsibility. He says, uh, men who hold the office of the ministry should have the heart of a mother toward the church. Unless your heart toward the sheep is like that of a mother toward her children, a mother who walks through fire to save her children. You will not be fit to be a preacher. Labor, work, 
unthankfulness, hatred, envy, and all kinds of suffering will meet you in this office. Mm. If then the mother heart, the great love, is not there to drive the preacher, the sheep will be poorly served. Wow. Yeah, that's so true, man. How much do you love the church? Mm. It's 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 detailed out in what you do to protect her. Right. Right. I, I think and, so. I think when we talk about security, our love for the church uh, informs all of our decisions to protect those that are uh, the least likely in our midst. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the the purpose, the reason why we're there is so that people can be made into disciples. And right. in order to be made into disciples, they need to be safe and secure. Right. And you're you're as a pastor, your uh, parents that are bringing in children, your parents that are bringing in students, they need to know mm-hmm. that their kids are loved and their kids are going to be appropriately cared right. for as well, so that we can accomplish the purpose that we've been given. That's it. Yeah, so good. let's talk about policy. Policy, okay. policy, policy is a lifesaver, I think, for it a is. small local church. And this is a confession uh, on my behalf and, and my imperfect church. This is an area where we're we're struggling to find policy. We're a smaller church for the longest time. Our policy has just been uh, kind of we all know everybody, and so yeah. we have we have a, a, a few things that we normally do, but. As it turns out, we don't have anything written down policy-wise. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, I, Constitution and bylaws, policies and procedures, uh, they are a pastor's friend. Mm-hmm. And I know there are a lot of guys that can't stand dealing with that right. mess. You know, you can't stand dealing with the structure of all that. But but I'm telling you, they, they're your friends. And so you can always stand on them. You can stand firm on them and be able to say, well, this is, this is what the rules are. And mm-hmm. therefore, this is what we have to do. I, I get our church jokes a lot about me because I'm a stickler for our bylaws mm-hmm. and our constitution. I mean, if it says it, we do it. If it doesn't says it, doesn't say it, <laughs> and we don't do it. And uh, you know, it's it's in, because they're your friends, man. They're help. They're helping yeah. you. And so we're currently in the process of developing policies that help us, uh, hopefully, abo- avoid misconduct and abuse. And uh, you know, some of these things are very uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, but 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 they need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. So so let's talk about your uh, your your let's say children and youth ministry. What okay. specific policies do you have? to protect from a, let's say, a sexual assault situation. Okay, so first of all, of course, we have the two-adult rule. There has to be two adults with kids at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, and this becomes difficult sometimes in Sunday school situations because uh, our Sunday school teachers are as imperfect as their pastor, and sometimes they don't get there on time, or sometimes they just don't show up. Mm -hmm. So there are some... There are some, you know, adjustments you have to make. So our if there's not a two adults, doors are always open kind mm-hmm. of deal. But the two adult rule is really, really significant for us. And um and you know, I was just talking to our uh student minister this past week. We had a kid who got sick mm-hmm. one day at camp, which happens all the time. Right. right. And so what do you do? You leave one adult back at camp with that sick kid and uh and and he and I in our conversations, we're just reviewing the week, and I'm saying, you know, we, we can't do that anymore. And I know that sounds ridiculous, right? right? But our rules say we're going to have two adults with right. a kid at all times. So mm-hmm. you've left an adult who is, man, don't hear me say anything else, could be trusted, right? right. I mean, I believe that with yeah. all my heart. I love her to death. Right. She's a faithful member of our church. I'm not I'm not insinuating anything. Right. But, but at this point, we have to be able to say two adults at all times. Mm-hmm. So Lifeway, sorry. 
two of our adults have to stay. Right. Why? Because that's our rule. That's right. So, and, and I think you're hitting on a, a good point. We need to err on the safety of our children. Yeah. And, and you know, I remember growing up, my mom uh, has worked the nursery at our church for uh, 20 years now. Uh, she is, that's been her role. Yeah. And whenever she first started coming alongside to work with the church, uh, they asked for her background check Yeah, as yeah. they ought to for a sure. nursery worker. Uh, she had another friend that at the same time was trying to work in the nursery. And when they asked for her background che- check, this woman said, no, that's yeah. my business. Right. Well, she got upset. She couldn't work in the nursery, but the church said, we hate that you can't serve, but in order to serve with our children or our youth, you must have a background check. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's part of our policy as mm-hmm. well. You're, we're requiring now background checks for everyone. Mm-hmm. And honestly, everyone's background is not clean. Right. Uh, as far as their legal background, maybe they got in trouble when they were a kid or, right. or whatever. And by kid, I mean young adult. But what we're looking for more than anything else is sexual predator activity. Right. Right. If you... Honestly, if you were 18 and uh, and and you got a DUI, we're not going to discredit you from working in our nursery. If you're now right. 36, have been saved and redeemed by the gospel, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- these are these are things that I know might be embarrassing for you, but uh, but that's not really what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But we still have to do it, right? And if you want to serve in our student ministry or our children ministry, work in our nursery. It's uh, it's one of those things that you probably say you have to pay uh, mm-hmm. to serve. So we do background checks. So we do two adult rule, proper ratios of kids to adults. Yeah, you know, so that everybody can keep eyes on everybody mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all times is another one that we do. One that's I think is important for us to talk about is if you're going to serve in our student ministry, our children's ministry, and in our nursery, you need to be a member of our church. Mm. That's good. Uh, and and that's you know from for a church my size, uh, we are always in need of of more hands to serve, and so it's easy for us to kind of cut those corners and say, hey, this person is great. They've been coming to our church. Right. They're good with the kids. Let's put them in and let them you know let them serve in this area. Yeah. Maybe they're not teaching, but they can always run the nursery. Yeah. Uh, man, that's tough. That, yeah. And, and that's you know, not a, that's not the area to gamble with. And the thing is too is that hey, this is not my fault. Right. Man, that that insurance company. Mm-hmm. Man, they—they're the ones. Yeah. Oh you know man, I tell you what, blame the insurance company all day <laughs> yeah. if we have to. But honestly, I mean, they have—they have requirements that mm-hmm. say you, you can't just put anybody in there. It has to be somebody that's a part of the of the payer, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. insurance companies are. And again, I'm not an insurance salesman, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to say they're going to want members mm-hmm. or paid background checked employees mm-hmm. to work inside of your nursery and so that's kind of been that's been our rule as well yeah and and as we listen to experts in this area true experts and i encourage right. you find these experts listen to them uh do your diligence study in this one of the things that they mention constantly is that sexual predators will seek out churches because they know they're soft targets right and one of the things that dissuades them is from the pulpit making sure that we articulate clearly that this is not a safe place for sexual predators yeah. seeking to do harm. 
Yeah, and you know, that's something that I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if there are pastors, that if if anybody listens to this. Right, if. if our if, two listeners. Are, <laughs> yeah. Our mamas. Yeah. So. If pastors listen to this, I'm going to say most of us have never made that comment from the pulpit. Yeah. Oh, and we've even probably never made the comment, hey, your kids are safe here. Mm-hmm. Because we've got things in place that right. protect them. Mm-hmm. Most of us probably don't don't address that yep. in our pulpits, and you know maybe we should. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've never said either one of those things from my pulpit. Yeah. And uh, and I think maybe we need to address the issue that we're doing our best as a church to protect your kids. Right. And so that means there are some uncomfortable things we have to do, mm-hmm. like background checks. That's right. Like you have to be a member of this church six months before you can serve. Mm -hmm. You have to be a member of this church. There are some things that are uncomfortable, but if protecting our children, vulnerable, vulnerable adults is what we're trying to do, then we've got to place those things. That's right. I, I, as a pastor would rather have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. At the front end and prevent something like this happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That, that's a small sacrifice. Let me say one more thing about policies, about our policies before we uh, before we can move on. But we have a set of policies that are in progress. Our church has not approved them yet, but we have a set of policies that are in progress. We also have a code of conduct mm-hmm. that details our expectations for our chaperones mm. and our Sunday school teachers and our nursery workers. Yeah. And it basically lays out all of the rules that we expect out of you. I mean, everything from the way you handle diapering, the way you handle restrooms, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that you can't smoke an e-cigarette. Yeah. Right? I mean, you you can't bring... You can't vape in the nursery. You can't vape in the nursery. I mean, honestly... we know which one's the no fun pastor on this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. No vaping in the nursery. You can't do those type things. And so this is this is in our code of conduct. Yeah, I think a code of conduct is is great. Giving those this is what we expect. Right. Up up front. That way when when an incident does happen, because we know an incident most likely will happen. Sure. Uh, whatever type of incident, we can say up front, we can deal with those by saying, Hey, we told you our expectations. That's right. And we're sorry to have to go in this direction, but you no longer can serve. Yeah, our, our desire is to protect children and vulnerable adults. That's it. Our our desire is also to place our chaperones in such a position that their character will never be questioned. That's key too. If, if you obey the code of conduct, the policies and procedures that we that we have, then your character will not be called into question mm-hmm. because we've set you up in such a way to be successful. That's right. And I, I fear that many of our churches are setting up themselves the people that volunteer for them yeah. and their children up yeah. for failure. Yeah, I do too. And and you know, shame on us for shame on us for doing either one of these things, mm-hmm. allowing someone to be vulnerable or allowing an adult the opportunity. Right. right. So and and you know, one of the last things and this part of the implementation, which is the hardest part of this is the implementation right. part. We have an application that you have to fill out that you sign that says that you've read the code of conduct. You sign and say you know we're doing a background check on you because we've got to have your driver's license number and your social security right. number to run that background check. And uh, something else we may need to talk about is this costs money. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do a background check on all of your children, Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, and chaperones for a, any given trip, it's going to cost the church. Right. And so you need to be prepared to pay for that. So we we make them do all that as well. But very simply, 
we're, we will have in September after Sunday school gets ready to get started again, the new church year, we're going to sit down with all of our children's workers and go over these policies together and yeah. say, this is our expectation of you. So that's the implementation of it. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's what we expect out of you. You've been here. You've heard it. Sign it. Fill out the application. And right. then uh, and then I think, you know, a refresher the whole the whole year along is good. Mm-hmm. Is good, too. So. So we talk about uh, educating and enacting. Um, how did how do you educate? How do you let your people know that there is a need for this? You know, I I feel like we don't have to do that as much now. Yeah. I mean, there probably was a day mm-hmm. where we had to convince people that this was a problem. Yeah, it, I, I was sitting down Wednesday night with uh, two of our two of our adult leaders going over this code of conduct, mm-hmm. and they're educators, right? And because they're they're being a part of our children's ministry, and uh, as I was going over this with the with them, they were like, "This looks exactly like what we have to sign when we start school every year." That's that I think that is key. We're not doing anything that secular organizations are required by law to do. Yeah, and we're behind. Yeah, and, and the school is obviously doing it already. Right. So they're they're ahead of us. And mm-hmm. I I think so. I, I think as far as education is concerned, I don't know that we have to do that much convincing. Right. As we did at one time, mm-hmm. maybe we see it, man. It's in the new. It's all around us. Right. You know, we we live in a society where, according to Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, something like forty three percent of people believe that pornography is acceptable. Right. So we live in a perverted mm-hmm. society right. is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And our people know we live in a perverted society. Right. They watch the news. Here's here's the thing. One of my biggest hurdles, I think, is convincing my people that the the fallenness of Genesis 3 is not just in the broader culture, but the uh, fallenness of Genesis 3 is also in the pew and in the pulpit. Yeah. And so one of the things that I found helpful is giving examples from mm-hmm. other churches, mm-hmm. yeah. um, being able to say, hey, this happened at a, a local church. This is something that a friend of mine is having to deal with. Right. If it happened at their church that has policies, what about our church? Yeah, sure. I, and, you know, I walked through this with our congregation recently about an audit system mm-hmm. for our finances. Yeah. Something that we've never really done well Right. And uh, and and also something that they haven't really ever heard of, right. you know. What I mean, because so because in our area, I mean, in our association, mm-hmm. we've had no big blow up of right. a congregation that theft has happened, and as a result of that, then we we also need to be so diligent in making sure we're protecting our finances. You know, what I mean, so you have to you have to show that there is the need for this uh, protection or level of protection. Right. And I've tied this in, you mentioned at the beginning, a lot of our churches understand or maybe have some brief idea that we need to uh, protect from bad theology, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I try to remind my people that we as a covenant community, we covenant around right belief and right action. And so we talk about church discipline or, or allowing people to join our church if they come as a candidate for membership and they don't have right belief or right action, mm. we can't embrace you as a member. Right. And so th- this goes a little bit further when we talk about uh, protecting our church and enacting these things. Uh, we let them know we have expectations for right belief and right action. Yeah. So we need to make sure that these policies line up with that. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, There's no doubt. And, of course, the protection of anyone that is vulnerable or a minor 
is is appropriate for the believer. Right. Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so uh, I I just think we need to be careful with uh, be careful with how we how we position ourselves so that we can make sure that we are protected and that we are protecting those uh, those that may be vulnerable. As That's well. right. So as a, as a pastor, we have obligations uh, to the law, to uh, the offended, to the defender, even, yeah. uh, and to our fellow pastors. So, John, run us yeah. through some of these obligations. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, we, we ought to recognize we have an obligation to the law. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into great detail here, but there there is a mandatory report, mm-hmm. right? And so everyone needs to kind of know that. Right. As a pastor— you have a legal obligation mm-hmm. to mandatory report in certain instances. So yeah. you need to know what those things are. Uh, and of course, you know, obligation to, to all those other things are, are wonderful. And particularly what I think is, is important is that we recognize our obligation to the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the big church. Broadly. Yeah. Right. So you have an obligation to your church to make sure there are policies and procedures in place. But you also have an obligation to the church down the road, mm-hmm. too. So if man uh, name I don't know, John Doe comes to your church, uh, there's an offense, John Doe moves to Ryan's church, then I believe as a pastor, I have a right to protect to protect you, you right. as well. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't think that pastors have those kind of relationships, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we need to I need to have the courage, if you want to call it that. Uh, the fortitude, the fortitude, whatever it is to call Ryan and say, Ryan, you know, I, I'm telling you this because I love the church of Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the church of yeah. Jesus. Uh, you know, statistics will tell you that um, a sex offender will have uh, so many more offenses before he's actually caught. It's not yeah. it's normally not a one and done thing. Right. Yeah. And I think we promote that culture in our churches because we make it so easy for them to sneak in and out of yeah. people's churches and commit these acts. And you know what, Ryan? I mean, shame on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. If if a man or a woman leaves your church because she has committed offense, she moves to my church, and you don't say anything to yeah. me about yeah. it. Shame on you. Yeah, that's that. I think we have a, a moral responsibility. I think so. And, and you know, we get to this thing where, you know, it, hey, it's none of my business, and I don't need to be meddling over there. Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah. Metal no, in my business. Yeah, I, I would rather be <laughs> accused of being a busybody than yeah. for a child to be uh, inappropriately touched. We just yeah, we can't. There's, we, there's no room for that. And, and and so you have this obligation to the law, right? You have this obligation to the one that that is offended, mm-hmm. right? And, and you, let me say something about obligation to the offended. Uh, we need to make sure we cultivate an environment where. People are free to come to us with accusations. Yeah, uh, we need we we don't need to victim shame. We we need to make sure that we are listening and we let them know we will listen. And the first thing that we need to do when we get uh, when we get this phone or we get this uh, uh, this accusation is the first thing is to call the cops. I mean, we, right. we don't need to try to uh, be the police in this area and investigate ourselves. We need to yeah. hear credible accusations. And report them to the proper authorities. That's right, and that's what I was saying about the mandatory report. Right. The mandatory mm-hmm. report law is is available to everyone, and I would just say read it and know what it mm-hmm. is, and follow through uh, whenever whenever you're required to do so, and whenever it's necessary. I guess yeah. I should say. And the problem comes when we all have members of our church. I serve with 
fantastic deacons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the difficulty comes when someone comes up and says, hey, Mr. Bob did this. Yeah. And my first reaction is, there's no way Mr. Bob did that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love Mr. Bob. You know, yeah. and, and for us, we need to understand that we are fallen individuals. And even if it is a false accusation, we need to make sure that our volunteers, our deacons, ourselves are living in an above reproach way. Absolutely. That exact accusation can be quickly proven false if it is. Absolutely. And I, and I tell our staff all the time, and I told our two of our staff members the other day, you know, live your life in such a way that when the accusation is made, no one believes it. Yeah. Because you've lived your life in such right. a manner that they know it's not true. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham's an example of that. He yeah. lived his life in such a way that no one no one b- would believe if an accusation was made. So this is hard stuff, man. It is. It's tough and, and you know, I really don't even like having a conversation about it. But but it's one that we have it to have. It has to happen. Yeah. And and ultimately, we as pastors must rely wholly on the grace of God yep. uh, to protect us, to protect our yeah. churches and to sustain us when something like this does happen. Yeah. Uh, and part of our responsibility is to make grace touchable in mm. the fire. Mm. Yeah. So when that happens, we must make grace touchable for the victim. Help them to see that God is not a God absent of pain. Yeah. That that He understands that His own His only Son uh, died upon the cross. He right. understands uh, this this isolation, this pain. He understands being a victim, and so we have to communicate that well. Yeah, that's right, and that and that's why your theology is important. Absolutely. You know what what you believe about the fallenness of man and His mm-hmm. grace and what He paid for us is is important even in the topic of church security. Right. This is this is important for us, and so I would just say. You know, continue pressing forward. Do the work of the church. Mm-hmm. Don't let risk overtake the obligation to make disciples, mm-hmm. but make disciples understanding that there is risk and right. everything we can do to protect ourselves from risk, we need to do. Mm. So, John, as we wrap up, tell me, what are you preaching? I'm actually going through, believe it or not, Genesis chapter three. Okay. So I'm doing I'm doing three sermons, Genesis chapter three, talking about the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, the, dealing with the fall. What is the craftiness of the sin mm-hmm. that entered yeah. and entered, and uh, you know what the consequences of the sin, mm-hmm. and ultimately what's the what's the solution to sin, right. which is the redemption that we have. And so, uh, d- just three sermons, just on a little nugget, if you will, on Genesis chapter three to deal with uh, that issue of sin, which speaks into this topic. Good though. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. What about yourself? Well, I am uh, still just, in Matthew. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I hadn't been in Matthew in four weeks there, John. Uh, no, uh, I am currently this Sunday, I'll be preaching uh, Psalm 100, yeah. uh, wrapping up my summer Psalms. And then yeah. after we finish that, I'll probably have a week or two um, kind of an unattached sermon, and then we'll be back in Matthew. Matthew, 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 the 52 weeks of Matthew. Well, if we get through in 52 weeks, God bless us. Yeah, five years in Matthew. Do your people know there are other books of the Bible? They do, they do. We have preached <laughs> through several of them, John. All right, uh, <laughs> we, have, uh, we, have, we have talked about a serious subject today, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you've gained from it. Uh, we want to encourage you um, to, uh, if you've been blessed by our podcast, to like, uh, to like our page on, on Facebook, to follow us on Twitter, to give us uh, a review on uh, iTunes, to give us a, a, a rating on iTunes. Uh, and then if you're interested in topics, this topic of church security was, was a topic um, that, a, that a listener um, suggested, and I think it's a good one. And so if you have any topics you'd like us to address, uh, please let us know. 
Uh, and we'll be back next time. And until then, we ask you to keep loving your perfect church and remember that one day she will be perfected in glory.